Welcome to Blue Collar Mystics, the under the hood approach to the depths of human consciousness. So many mysteries, so little time, so many big words. That's why we aim to take the mystical and make it practical, usable in your everyday life. And you know, we want to hear from you. We want to hear your story. What happened when you started asking yourself the real questions? Like, who am I? What is this? Is it a hologram? Is this some kind of weird cosmic joke? Hey, these are the questions that we are trying to get to the bottom of as we explore the final rabbit hole together here as Blue Collar Mystics. Welcome, welcome everyone to this episode of Blue Collar Mystics. I am ecstatic and excited, hope and wishing you all a very happy uh, and enjoyable Halloween. I'm here with the one and only Mary Ducina of Cosmic Conditions. You can check that out on Fringe FM every so often with Joe Roop. How often do you do that, Mary? Every new moon, once a month, every new moon. The next once one will be, you know, probably the new moon in Sagittarius. Okay. New moon in Sagittarius. And I'm excited to talk to you. You are just an absolute wealth of information when it comes to astrology. And I, that's definitely one of my weak spots. So I'm really excited to talk to you and learn. And, uh, you know, we were just talking before we're both kind of in the Southern Appalachians and it's beautiful here. Um, really exciting time right now. And just lovely with the leaves falling and the crisp air and cool breeze. And um, we're headed slowly but surely into winter, but I love fall. It's my favorite time of year. I don't know about you, but it's just. Me best. too. I mean, I've always talked about when I do seminars and workshops that, you know, when you think about the equinoxes, the spring equinox and the autumnal equinox in the Northern hemisphere, the leaves are putting on a show for us, you know, in spring, they're saying, look, 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 I'm unfurling and I'm lime green and I'm dark green and the juniper berries are coming and the little flowers will be popping out in May, especially as you know, in these mountains, it's a very exciting time. A new life is emerging and the birds are buzzing to find their nest. And then in autumn, our leaves here in this area turn to the beautiful fire energy, fire element colors, and they're like waving goodbye to that which was seeded in Aries at the spring equinox, what was seeded with our fires of desires. And then when we come to autumn and it's six months away from Aries, which is Libra, we're moving into that dove of peace, the equalizing, the the balance, what's aesthetic in our life, and, and where is it that we can look back and say, okay, with the bright light of spring equinox and Aries, which begins the Western Zodiac of the procession of the 12 celestial spices, now in Libra, now that I come to six months later from my spring equinox and before I get to winter solstice and Yuletide, what is it I now know that I can take a little retrospective look back on memory lane of 2022 and say, wow, let me do a little checkpoint on what my soul lessons and my esoteric themes were for empowerment and evolvement for this year of our Lord of 2022. And as I come into the fire of my desires, my passions, my intentions, my ambitions, as I look at autumn and I'm beginning to have longer days of the night, what is it that I would now go within, go within and look at my innerverse? And, and focus on where that light deep within me is becoming congruent 
into the external world and saying, hi, it's your soul. And I hang out with your heart. What do you want, my dear? <laughs> That's beautiful. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, I've noticed over time and it's just through trial and error and not really any thing other than just living and trying to create. But, you know, in the summertime, I, I tend to just unravel and expand and I'm going here and there and I'm doing all this stuff. And a lot of times I'll try and, you know, plan certain things or try to be, I'm like, why am I not productive? Uh, but then the winter time comes around, uh, the fall <laughs> comes around and, and I, I start to become a little bit more introspective. I start to ask myself some deeper questions. I start to crave more alone time, uh, these types of things. And I, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't even think anything of it up until maybe a couple of years ago, but I love how you track everything. And, and I think it's so great that you do a monthly sort of, um, I don't know. What would you even call it? Like a up? It's like a. a, a it's like the it's like the celestial weather. The reason I called it cosmic conditions from the late '80s when I was doing television and radio in Florida with it, and I and I took that name, is it's to me, astrology, which is a star language, the the logic of the illuminating light beings of the heavens, you know. And I've I've leaned way in to First Nations, um, Native American teachings, done like 25 years of of medicine wheel ceremonial work because to me it was fascinating that with a little bit of Cherokee in my in my gra grandparents' blood, it was always fascinating to me as I got into understanding the great turning of the wheel of our seasons with our Gaia Mother Nature, our true biological mama, and then astrology in a wheel. It's our it's our soul star treasure map. It's a circular photograph. When we were born, it's a, just simply a circular photograph of the positions of the stars, the constellations, our signs and wonders, that was a snapshot when we were born. That's like our celestial photograph. That was a lovely little circle. And then the medicine wheel, which is truly my, my true spirituality for me to be able to incorporate my mother nature and how, and, and the heavens, you know, how they term it, you know, our earth mother, you know, mother nature, and then grandmother moon, and we look at the phases of our, our ancestral elders of wisdom, Grandmother Moon and Father Sky and Grandfather Sun. I'm like, yeah, we're good. Because to me, if someone is, there's a lot of astrologers out there, but it becomes powerful and proficient if you're able to bring heaven to earth and describe it without all the technical words and the this and the square and the 120 degrees and all that. It's like, oh my God, I've done it for 35 years and that bores me. You know, so it's like, Tell me about when I do a client's chart, it's like, okay, here's the front door to your chart. That's your rising sign and your ascendant. Here's your moon. That's your inner world and what imprints that you got this incarnation, this walkabout from your childhood storybook. And there's pluses and minuses there for everybody. So the new moon that I appear on the Fringe FM with Joe Roop and, and you as a co-host in, in different times, is that the new moon is when the sun and moon, don't you love this, they marry oh. or they're in the same sign in the sky. See, it's nice for people to remember it that way. At the new moon, when it looks like there's no moon, there's not even a sliver yet, and you see the stars so brightly. Mm -hmm. And for the next couple of months, like we have a solar eclipse new moon, which, by the way, solar eclipses can only happen at a new moon because that's the sun and the moon in the same sign. So they're kissing the energies with more of an impact. When there's a solar eclipse, the sun and moon are in the same sign. They're married in that same element, in that same zodiacal uh, spice. And so that's a time that opens up a six-month bridge, a metaphysical six-month bridge. So, for example, the Scorpio 
solar eclipse new moon of October 25th opened a bridge at two degrees of Scorpio. So when an when a eclipse happens, it's that six month to a year, uh, we're on a new vision quest. So wherever anyone has the two to three degrees of the fixed water sign of Scorpio, the depths of our psyches, the diving deep into the wonders of our soul, limitless, timeless, you know, we can be time travelers that go back into former incarnations and look at how it still spokes on a wheel. There's our wheel again, orbiting around us now. So in October, on the 25th of October, and then also the next full moon over November 7th and 8th, a lunar eclipse can only happen at a full moon. Mm. And the Persian astrologers, going into Sufism and Zoroastrianism, the Persian astrologers knew that the full moon was when the sun and the moon were at polarity, at opposition. So some teachers in different cultures will say they're separate or they're, they're separating or they're at least looking into each other's starry eyes. So with the luminaries of the sun and the moon, when we get to November 7th and 8th of 2022, then we have a lunar eclipse. So it's interesting. At the new moon of beginnings, here comes Scorpio at two degrees. Two weeks later, we have an, an inner light that's beginning to waterfall out of us. So really pay attention to who, what, where was stirring your soul, who got a hold of you, someone from the past. Is there going to be some type of leveling up and understanding where you've both or all grown now versus what divorced you or maybe just geographically separated you for a while? Like what, what are we time traveling forward and backwards into? Because even if it's what people like to call an ex-roommate or an ex-relationship, if they come into our sphere now, then we're not the same people we were back at that time. And, and this eclipse coming up in October ties back to the last time, the last Saros, S-A-R-O-S, eclipse cycle that we had in 2003-2004. So the way I like to teach the celestial medicine wheel is that look back, what were your priorities? Who was around you? What was the emphasis for you in your spiritual bank account then? Meaning, what did you value? What were you giving a lot of investment of your time or your money or your boots on the ground location? Where was that in 2003 going into 2004, the spring of that? Who left your life? What relationship died? What doors closed and what doors opened up suddenly because of those closed doors? Because Scorpio is about the transformative death of anything and anyone that has served its higher purpose in our life at this time. It's Pluto, it's Hades, it's the, the energies of the underworld. What's the foundation? What's underneath going on in the earth? Where are the fissures and the shakings, the great shakings and, and the um, fractures that want to open up just so you can have a deeper look and have a, a more 360-degree um, perspective, you know, the high view on top of the mountain, the panoramic soul vision. So that's what's opening up. In October of 2022, so it goes back to 2003, fall of 2003 into May of 2004. Make some notes on that, who, what, when, why. And maybe at that time we looked at what was an energy vampire or what was draining our energy, how we were getting in our own way. Let's start there. And, and where we were finding that we could have been too needy. We might have been a little bit based in fear instead of, uh, of lifted up by love, the wings of love. So as we go into the lunar eclipse of November 7th and 8th of 2022, that's in Taurus. Mm -hmm. 
Each sign has its polarity. They're six months apart. So Scorpio balances Taurus in our charts. Taurus balances Scorpio. So where Scorpio is, I want to swim with the eyes of my soul, the captain of my ship, my relationship with both heaven and earth is going to be my divine source presence, my divine presence guides, my how I anchor myself spiritually beyond any human or any experience here, just in the earthly. I want to align with it so the best, better versions of myself and the higher frequencies remind me that I am spirit that slipped on skin and I walk this realm as a vessel of light. Aho, amen. I am a powerful light wand that is walking this realm for a while. You are an Astrala G. You know what I'm saying? Like- <laughs> <laughs> Remember what you, and, what you and Joe were saying? But wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. We have to do that with each other. It was so funny the way you and Joe were doing that. But wait, there's more. <laughs> there's more in store with your stars with Owen. <laughs> It's so thank you. That's very nice. You're so quick witted. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Well, I, I was just blown away when we, uh, when, you know, when we met and, and I was honored to be able to be a co-host on that show. So thank you so much for welcoming me. And, um, you know, Joe's hilarious himself. So, you know, he and I laughed a lot and we just had so much fun. Um, and I hope to get down there actually and see him again, but I'd love to have him come up here too, into the mountains here where, you know, Oh yeah, let's do that. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot. Oh, of- let's do. I'm in for that party. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm in I, for that. I'm, it'd be good for him, Owen. It would it be would. good for him. It would. Yeah, it definitely would. And I, I think. He's and tell gonna- him to park his car there and ride with you up to the mountains. Yeah, ride with you up to the mountains. So you have all that great driving meditation time in a vehicle with your two vessels of light. Then you get to the mountains because you know, as well as I do, when you're in the mountains, the ocean restores you. When you're at the ocean, the mountains restore you. It's just that, you know, the ions of, of, uh, you know, the, the, again, the medicine men had great medicine men teachers. And they taught me that they said, well, while you're living by the, I lived right by the ocean there in Treasure Island. They said, while you're living at the ocean, I was always there at night with my Native American teachers there, you know, near Indian Rocks Beach. We would walk the beach at night. We would let the star frequencies teach us things in meditation. And when you're at the beach, they taught me that the salt waters of our Earth Mother is her womb waters. It's all the things that have that have transitioned. They've died there. They've been reborn there. There's things that feed there. There's things that expire there and give up the ghost, so to speak. So they said the oceanic waters of our earth mother, all the salt waters are her womb waters. And that's why we feel restored and baptized and and renewed by the salt waters. When you come to the mountains, the mountains and the shape of the mountains are the breast of mother earth, mother Gaia. And we get fed in a different way when we come into the trees, into the mountains. I know it's true for me. I mean, as soon as I drive up to the mountains, I don't even live in that busy of a town. I'm, I'm in Atlanta from time to time, you know, or even a good bit. And you feel all the hustle and the bustle and the, you know, stress of the city and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, thanks. Soon as I get up to, you know, just past like commerce, when I can see the mountains, things just calm down. My stress levels. Zooming through LJ, zooming through. (laughs) It's so, it's different. It's amazing how just physically, you know, altered that my state of mind is just by going up there. Like I just, like all these things that I think matter kind of just melt away. 
And yeah, even uh, when I even when I lived in Florida, even when I would drive in to the busier cities of Tampa or St. Peter, Clearwater, I still made my vortex, my sanctuary in a, a little burp, you know, a little community because, and even though there was a causeway that was bringing those tourists and all those boaters, you know, right by the townhouse that I lived in, my actual altar, my actual soul sanctuary was very private and very obscure because I like that. I like to be able, you know, people, you know, they're interesting kind of little mammals, these, these humans, you know, they, cause I, I absolutely think I'm a star seed. So, and that doesn't make me better than anybody else. So hold your breath, check yourself. Cause I don't think I'm better than anybody else, but I know there's things in our life that we think and we wonder, and maybe we judge, or maybe we release and break the pattern, but then we have knowings. And one of the knowings I've had since I was a child is that I love nature. I love this earth mother, this, this wonderful yin vortex, but I'm not from here. I mean, it's a nice ride, but it's like I, I get fed all the time from, you know, different dimensions. And I've studied the angel, angelology and the angelic realm and the, the, the power of sound healings and music and color. So I know there's very real vital life force enhancers and that some people can look at it as that we're tuning forks, you know, mm. and, and humans have this tendency to drain others, <laughs> you, know, they have this, you know, they're just like, well, could you read my palm? Could you do this? Could you do that? You know, and when I did television and I was more visual in, in Orlando or, or Tampa or St. Pete, it's like I would go to way out to the beaches that the tourists didn't go to because I was doing radio once a week on Saturday nights too, with the cosmic conditions show on terrestrial radio. And so I'd sneak into these little Italian restaurants or these little uh, Bahamian or, or Jamaican restaurants and I'd walk in and I'd try to sell someone else. You give your name or you say, because if they heard my voice, they'd be like, Hey, wait, I know that voice. I said, no, I know you don't. And they're like, no, yeah, you're that girl that does cosmic conditions. I, Cause I would did all the, the television stations at that time. And I'm like, you know, I get that all the time. So I didn't lie. I said, you know, I hear that all the time. They're like, no, you're her. Cause I saw, saw you. And invariably, oh, and it would be like, here, Tell me, here's, my, and I never talked about palmistry, haven't studied palmistry, know very little about it. Like you said, astrology is kind of one of your weak things, you know, so palmistry, but ever, invariably, I must have been a palmist in another lifetime, some kind of Romanian gypsy or something. They always stick their palm out and go, can you tell me something? I'm like, yeah, I don't do that. And you know what? I'm off the clock. Right. So where do you work? <laughs> and they'd say, oh, I'm, I'm the front desk manager at the Don Cesar in St. Pete. And I said, so just because you work there. And that's what you do for work. Let me help you here. So I'm going to walk into the Don Cesar, which is a really kick-ass resort in St. Pete. I love that place. It has such history, both hauntings and go, oh God, that's the, when you go to Florida, go to the Don Cesar. And, and I said, so if I show up, yeah, and you work, you're the manager of the front desk. Cool. So if I can show up just because you work there, I get free shit, right? I can just walk in and get free things because you work there. Well, no. And I said, so take your palm back, check yourself. I did you a favor. Sure. Sure. It's like, Hey, I, I never tell anybody anymore that I'm, that I do comedy because they're just, Oh, like, absolutely. Oh yeah. Yeah. Make me laugh. Tell me a joke. But that's what, they're innocent. <laughs> they're innocent when they, they're like little children. They go into their inner child and it's like, wee, it's all about me right now. And it's like, okay, toddler face. Let me just give you a little bit of a boundary lesson here because you know, setting boundaries is healthy for you. You've obviously not learned that one yet. Thank you for your enthusiasm, but yeah, I'm off the clock. Yeah, you know, book like, Owen for comedy or book Mary for a chart or a psychic reading. But today, look, oh, look, I'm out to have dinner with my friends. How about that? Now, a cool right. thing that we did that I could see you doing easily is we would have what we called once a month tribal or, one, you know, if, if you're getting out of town, people maybe once every three months, tribal meetings. 
Hmm. And so we had people from MUFON and the UFO groups. And so we would have some people come from that. My Native American teacher, Terry Frady, a.k.a. Three Black Feathers, who's now in spirit. And then my psychology friends would come. And then I would come with the astrology. We had a numerologist that would come. And so we would all like be responsible for our own dinner kind of a thing. But we'd rent that big table of eight or ten. And we would meet at a different restaurant every when well, we lived in Florida once a month, but you can do it every three months. And everybody shared a treasure trove of their specific doodah, you know, and you talk about a movable feast. You talk about things that were apropos for the moment and everybody getting encouraged and everybody having nothing but uplifting energy because it was literally like the intention of the coming together of everyone's skill sets and, and wisdom ways, which, I mean, it just, it just surged through all your chakras and aligned the front and back doors, you know, for that next three months, it was like amazing because we were all walking in with that predisposition of spirits in the house. And by God, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. So it's, it's that gratitude. It's that attitude of gratitude out there that I promise you, no matter how difficult of a rite of passage you might be going through pain is a powerful teacher. I've, I've known it well, you know, we can have psychological pain or, emotional loss or, you know, go into the dark night of the soul. Pain is the usual teacher for humans until they start welcoming love and gratitude. And I don't have to learn my life lessons through pain whacking on the back of the head again in my romantic life or my business life or my money uh, dynamic. So what you do is you shift and break that pattern of you as a human and in your 3D self only really get, you know, your attention. If, if you, The only way that spirit can get your attention is through pain and loss. I guess what's going to happen? Right, right. Well, it's definitely happened that way for me. For me. Oh, me too. <laughs> it's just like, I'm going, oh, okay, you're 40. Are you awake yet? Yeah, I don't need it and be pain anymore. But that, and, I, and I actually turned around one night under the stars and I said, you know what, pain? I get it. I get it. Thank you. Thank you that I finally woke up that I as the entity of this life walk, don't have to have you come roaring in my life to get me to realize that what's trying to let go of me, I need to let go of. Why do we resist change as humans? So the more that we can, again, get that archetype, are you walking the world as a wizard? Are you walking the world as a therapist that's also got comedy? Are you walking the world as a nurse, a healer that's got a lot of compassion? If you are, if you're the entertainer, if you're the healer, if you're the teacher, you have got to take time to restore thy soul. You have got to get away from the demands of the world because it'll suck you dry and, and forget about you the next day. Yeah, it's it really true. will. It really will. No, it's true. It's true. And it's uh, having that balance uh, and learning it over time is it's been something that's just been uh, very much trial and error. Uh, but I, but I, but I've figured I'm figuring it out, you know, <laughs> it's, it's yeah, we things. do. Yeah. And you know, God bless us all, you know, God bless us all, you know, we can, you know, we learn it at our own pace, but I, on these shows and the seminars and the workshops and the shamanic stuff that I've done, I say to people, Honest to God, it, believe it or not, even though it seems like it's happening outside of you, some things, although they seem like they're out of your control, you are the captain that can steer this. You need to just be awake to the power that you were afforded the moment that spirit, however you define it or believe in it, breathed life into you. Yeah, that's really good. So people have to decide what anchors me spiritually. If you want to give it a name, 
Christianity, Judaism, you know, if you like Yom Kippur or, or you like, you know, being a whirling dervish or you're Buddhist or, or a Baha'i or, or a Sikh and you love Hindu, whatever it is, you know, whatever it is. Or, or maybe you're just a person that says, I live in the present and I love nature. And every time you hike, every time you swim, every time you just allow the, the moonlight and the stars to illuminate you on your own deck, on your own porch, in your own swing, sitting on the ground, camping in the woods, that's medicine. That's called good medicine. But we are responsible for finding that sweet spot of what will restore us instead of, well, they don't love me or they yelled at me the other day or, you know, I don't know what, my, I can't control my kid. Well, maybe you're not supposed to control your kid. Have you ever read Cahill Gibran, the prophet? <laughs> maybe you're supposed to just be a caretaker of bringing that soul onto the earth plane. You know, you may house their body, but you do not control their soul. Same thing in our loving relationships. You know, we can invest in them. Um, and if we are in it to win it, as far as if I show up authentic and I show up with integrity and we can agree to disagree and I can simply say to them, well, that, that, that seems to work for you, but it's, it's not my circus, not my monkeys. I'm not going to judge you for what you do, but I'm out. It's like Shark Tank, you know, I'm out. And for that reason, I'm out. It's, that's just not me, but it's cool if that's what you want to do. Like I have friends that absolutely love motorcycles. I mean, they love it. And they're like, this one goes, I'll buy you a motorcycle. You'd be so, I'm not riding a motorcycle. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. It's not my thing. I'm a horseback girl. I can grab the back of their hair and just take off. But I, I get the wind in your hair thing. I do it on animals. I get it. I get it. But I'm not the motorcycle girl. I don't know why, but my guys are doing the dolphin and going, eh, 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 eh. so I'm not going up against that. <laughs> I'll meet you at the campground. You know, yeah, I'll do, I'm not going to ride the motorcycle. Have a good time. Rock the Casbah. It's not me. And they'll laugh and they'll say, now, look, I taught you something else about the motorcycle. I said, I, I like to, I'm not riding the motorcycle. Thank you for the offer of the gift. I'm not doing it. Buy yourself another motorcycle. I'm not doing it. And they just <laughs> laugh. They just think that's the biggest thing. And I'm like, do, you, do I look like a girl that can't say no? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so, I, I'm so interested to know, you know, what got you into this? Because like I said, you know, you are just a wealth of knowledge. You've been doing this for a, a, a while and have picked up bit, a lot a of experience and, um, and, and, and as well, just I, so much information. I remember, Owen, I remember everybody's got that. Or, you know, they try to, they teach in metaphysics and empowerment studies and hypnosis and regression to try to ascertain without force the earliest time that you remember that you had some kind of direct communication with the all that is, let's say the almighty I am. And I remember being in the mountains, summer, I'm laying outside on our carport. We had five acres of a front yard and a mile of woods behind the place we had there in East Tennessee. And I remember, you know, it's all happy. It's after supper, you know, mom and dad, dad's getting ready to watch his TV, blah, blah, blah. And we're safe. It's all fenced in, you know, and I'm laying on the carport looking at the stars. And so, so mom comes out and she says, what are you doing? And I said, I'm trying to figure out how to get back home. And she goes, okay, I'm going to get your dad. <laughs> she goes, and gets dad because he's the intellectual engineer, you know, worked at Oak Ridge, retired from NASA. So the stars were always around me in space somewhere, right? You know how spirit does that. So he comes out and he goes, what are you doing? And I said, I'm trying to figure out how to get back home. I told mom. And he said, okay. He said, so I'm your dad. Because I'm five. So I'm, gonna explain. I'm your dad. And that's your mom. You live here. This is your house. You're laying on the carport, this car, concrete carport. There's your dog. And he said, so this is your home, this earth, this is your home. And I said, I know that I'm talking about home, you know, and he's like, okay. 
And so I said, I love the stars. I said, they talk to me. I love the stars. And he said, yes. You know, my parents weren't, they certainly were not liberal, liberal types, but it was interesting how spirit set it up that they never forced any, and that's odd for East Tennessee. You know that. I mean, dad was from Kentucky. So he said, yes. He said, everything has energy. I mean, you're talking about engineer. He goes, everything has energy, everything, you know, he would do all that intellectual stuff. And I'm like, thanks, dad. I'll be in a minute. You know, I was the precocious kid. So I, and they told me, I remember vividly them telling me, you will go to the church that we choose to go to until you're 11 years old. Then you can go to whatever church and you can visit different churches and do what you want to do. But, you know, you're going to go to where we go. And dad was like Methodist and his Italian family was Catholic and mom's was, you know, like, you know, the, the true Appalachian kind of her mom and my beloved mamma that I talk about was like a mountain herbalist, which probably by the hardcore Pentecostal churches would have been called a witch. But I mean, she, she just knew about weather stuff and taught me her. I mean, it was just fantastic. And she, I remember watching and she just knew things. I mean, she just knew things. I'm like, how does mamma know that? How does she know that? Where does she get that? You know? So I was fascinated by her. So obviously she was my main first medicine woman. So I remember it. I kept thinking when I'm 11, I'm going to go to a Catholic church. And then when I'm going to go over to that Indian place and then I'm going to go over there. And, I, and so it just started me on that vision quest. And, you know, part of our family uh, gatherings in Cocoa Beach is we'd go to the bookstores, you know, and dad bought me the whole set of Cahill Gibran, you know, all the books, you know, he bought me that. And now I, I would start getting, you know, like um, roomy and, and, and I was always drawn into these Middle Eastern type of things. And dad had traveled to India in China. And he said, Oh, I loved India. He said, it's very poor over there, but I absolutely felt my heart come alive when I was traveling all through India. And I'm like, really? So it was like some connection was there, but I didn't need words for it. Then I just knew that it was okay. And then here's dad with all this high government clearance. And, you know, I remember being 16 and we'd do our little family walk and it was dad and I, cause mom was busy or something. And I said to dad, I'm all, and now I'm, all, I'm surrounded now. The whole neighborhood's full of NASA engineers because they moved everybody in so fast in that whole Cocoa Beach, Brevard, Titusville area. And I were walking and I said, and I'd seen UFOs. And so I said to dad, so do you, what do you think? Do you think we're the most intelligent life out there? I mean, in all these planets and all these galaxies and everything, and if God fashioned us and as the way the story goes and everything, do you think we're the most intelligent life out there? And he stopped <laughs> being a Sagittarius. He stopped and he looked at me and he said, I shudder to think that we would be the most intelligent life force out there. He said, no, I absolutely do not believe that we are the most intelligent life force out there. I'm like, yeah, like look at a giraffe and a palmetto bug. Like, look at the difference of that. I mean, how could somebody not think that there's all kinds of different life forms out there? To me, that's just not logical. And so when, and then I met, as fate would do it, uh, a guy that was in his 30s. I think I was 17. He worked at NASA. My dad knew him. He lived in the neighborhood. And he was into astrology. So we would like go out UFO hunting and star hunting. And it was not a date. He was not a creepy guy. And we absolutely would talk stars, both esoterically and, and actual constellations and all that. And the whole NASA thing and the MUFON thing and all that. And we would go out with a bunch of us and we would drive between the little small towns in Florida then and going toward Orlando. And we would see all these things in the, in the sky. And I'd say, okay, Harvey, you're working at NASA. Is that our stuff? Is that our secret military stuff? Or do you think that's, extraterrestrial and he said probably a little of both i mean it was very cavalier for anybody that worked at nasa that well of course there's other life forms of course and my dad was very cagey because he had a 
high clearance on what he would say and what he wouldn't say, because when you've got a high clearance, you know, you better protect your family. You better not spill the beans because the ones in the direct firing line are your wife or your kids. You know, they don't always come after you. <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll put the squeeze on you, just like politicians. You know, they put the squeeze on you like, you love your kids? You know, we could go visit them, do that kind of thing. So instead of a character assassination of them, they go after what you cherish the most. And that's military, that's psyops, that's the whole thing. Hmm. So I remember one time he said to me, so in school, he showed me a magazine that he had saved. I, I th- it was Look or Life magazine or something all like that. And he showed me, and he had kept the magazine, whether, you know how archaic the cameras were back in the 60s or 65s, whatever. And he said, look at all these spaceships that came over Washington, D.C. He said, here's the photographs. This is before the internet. He's showing me this, and I'm like, whoa, is that us? He said, no, that's not us. And I said, so you're showing me this, why? And he said, well, there's a rumor and there's speculation that Eisenhower and Truman were visit. He told me what the whole story was. It was visited by someone from an off-planet uh, situation, and there was a deal struck that they were going to, they wanted to strike a deal. And I said, well, what's the deal? And he said, the deal is that they would advance us so rapid fire with technology and new inventions and, and stuff that we could not even imagine in our minds at this time, but they wanted a deal to be able to hybridize, hybridize part of the humans with their, their species of whatever they were. And I'm like, like how? And then I later when I interviewed Dr. John Mack, who's since deceased, who wrote the, you know, all the, all the, all the books on abduction and cause he was a, he was the tenured psychiatrist at Harvard, you know, and I, and I met him at one of the UFO meetings and I was doing interviews at the time and I sat across from him at breakfast before he was going to lecture at the MUFON meeting. And I said, so Dr. Mack, and he said, my, my host here in Indian rocks, tell me that you're a natural mystic, that you see things. And I said, yeah, every once in a while. And he said, so I'm writing this book. And I said, about? And he said, well, I'm trained in hypnosis. I mean, I didn't know the whole guy's background. I didn't care. There were speakers there all the time. And all of them, all of the famous ones were there. And, the, you know, with the implants and everything. And he said, well, he said, at first I was very skeptical about these people that say they were abducted and they had these medical experiments and all that. And, of course, that harkened me back to dad. And the deal, and I said, yeah. And I said, so you're, what, what are you at Harvard? He said, oh, I am, I'm the head of psychiatry. I said, okay, that's pretty impressive. And he said, I don't think that anymore. And that's why I'm writing the book. And I looked at him and I said, okay, you know, this is going to change your career. You know how they say when you're a tenured professor or the head of a department, you can't be let go of. I see it. They're going to let go of you. I said, I don't see your marriage lasting. There's going to be somebody else. And I said, and you could get yourself into some big trouble with this, depending on how far you want to push it. And I said, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you, there's a roller coaster coming. And he said, you know, it's like, I think I found my life purpose. I need to do this. So he wrote the book. I found out they did let him go from Harvard. They considered him too woo woo. His marriage broke up. He ended up marrying his secretary, whoever it was, somebody that was in, because my friends that, that hosted him in town from the MUFON meeting said, oh, he, he wrote us a letter and said, oh my God, that girl that I met at breakfast was right. He said, she's right. It's a roller coaster. <laughs> he writes the book. It becomes very popular, blah, blah, blah. He's stepping off the sidewalk in London on one of his book promotion things and a car hit him and killed him and went on. Oh my God. Yeah. Look up how Dr. John Mack died. Look it up. So the book, he got the book done. You know, obviously he was happy in his romantic life because he'd remarried and all of that. 
But the words to me that day in Clearwater when he was talking to me over coffee and, and a bagel was that, you know, I really feel like I found my life purpose. And I'm looking at he was much older than me. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, you, you need to be aware if you're committed to this ride. Indeed, it's going to be one hell of a ride. Hmm. It's going to be one hell of a ride. So he did the work. He did the masterwork and, and having all that background that he did. So dad told, and I started to find out, dad would do those little cagey things. So in a way, he was like an engineer. I used to call him the enlightenment engineer. And he said, you should call yourself that. And I said, because you like, put these little exclamation points out there. And I said, what about, and what if this, but wait, there's more. And I said, and it just starts your mind <laughs> going down the proverbial, as we call it now in our generation, down the rabbit hole. You know, this is way before the matrix. Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking at it all. And when you've had your boots on the ground for 40 plus years, you start looking back on, you know what? They did lie to us in school <laughs> or they didn't know about it or they did indoctrinate us and lean us in a little bit for that generation or a little bit for the other generation because you begin to step back from the 3D psyops. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to be a conspiracy theorist or too woo-woo, but by God, I'm a happy-ass researcher. Absolutely. <laughs> And where my intuition, my natural intuition, I think everybody's got it. I, I know everybody's got it. Where my antennas of fate serve me well is I do divine discernment. I think the number one, I have a knowing for me, that the number one esoteric, metaphysical, witchy-poo, metaphysical skill set is to develop your discernment. And when your inner frequencies say, no, or not now or let that go for now, or that's in your future. I mean, trust that it's like our own internal um, dowsing rod or pendulum. Sure. You know, your inner self, we argue with it. Granted, I've done it. I've of slammed course. it up against the wall, uh -huh. but it always ends up right. Mm -hmm. I think it was probably so right think, for John Mack too. I mean, you know, yeah. it's kind of unfortunate kind of how that story ends, or at least from one perspective, but I imagine he was much happier following that than he would have been if he would have just shut it down and ignored it, right? He told me, he said, I understand. He said, you're right. I understand the risk. And he said, and he looked at me and he goes, he kind of lowered his voice, you know, because there's like eight people at breakfast. He goes, and I've never felt more alive. I never forgot that. And I said, I understand. I understand. It seems totally worth it to me. I mean, to, to, uh, yeah, I, 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 there's absolutely. Nothing, there's nothing better than great emotions. You know, I mean, when I, right, think about right. it, you know, it's like, there's no amount of money that would make me feel good. Right. Like, like, uh, but, but whenever I do the thing that, that I know I need to do, that feels right within me in that internal pendulum, that intuition, uh, that, that heart, just like, Hey, this is what I want. I want this thing. And whenever I do it, like there's, there's literally nothing that could match the, that, uh, that emotional payoff. Absolutely. Well, you know, people, they work hard, they, you know, there's generations that were taught, oh, buy your own land, buy your own house. You know, then there's other people, it's like, oh, I can't wait to get in my boat with my friends on the lake and throw back some beers and just, you know, go into the sunset and let my hair down and just have a good time. There's other people that take it to the edge and they get addicted to porn or they get addicted to prescription or they, they can't start to function and feel, to your point, really alive, really the fuel of our feelings, you know, how our feelings can be the rudder or the, or the sails on our clipper ship. You know, it's those feelings that just say, yes, follow the wind this way. So people start getting numbed out. Mm 
mm. by their prescriptions. Oh, I lost my sleep. I have to take my sleeping pill. Or, oh, you know, I'm not happy unless I go every year and do ayahuasca or I got to go do peyote, you know, every six months. And it's like, okay, if you're really benefiting from that and seeing your life level up, booyah, you know, rocket, rocket, you know. But if you're finding that it's that, that is the only thing that's kickstarting you to feel the aliveness of yourself, you know, if you, if you did the hallucinatory thing, if you went to Burning Man, if you, you know, you did the medicine wheel or, or, or you did these, uh, you know, uh, hypnotic type of experiences, or you went in to find your past life regressions, it all should be benefiting you as you walk this world now, because the now is the magic. You know, the reason it's, the now is such a gift, it's called the present, you know, and until we can be okay with and not resistant and pushing against the present you know if if spirit and the divine forces give you as you said you know like i start to get introspective in the autumn you know and i'm feeling that my inner world is calling me and i feel like i don't feel quite as productive in summer because there's so many different leashes on me and and i'm I'm in in a spin zone i'm busy all the time but yet in my mind i'm thinking I'm busy in the world. I'm seeing a lot of people. I'm having some laughs. I'm doing some travel. But how's my soul with all this? How's my soul with all this? You know, it's like there's people that we're around, and we all know this, that when we're with them, we feel alive. And it's not always our lover. It's not always a parent or a child. There's just something about that tribal connection you know, but it's just like, and usually it's those people that we can be ourselves with. But when we start dumping, intimate and romantic expectations on that partner or that friend, you need to make me happy. And we don't mm-hmm. say those things, but it's like, that's, that's what we're starting to dump on them. Then we're starting to put this, these heavy layers onto another person. Now I haven't dealt with my childhood traumas and my fractures and my wounds. So, Oh, look, here comes a new woman or a new man, same crap, different relationship. <laughs> yeah, and I still got my issue. Yeah. Are. I've got my issue of abandonment or I need to be OCD controlling, or I won't leave my marriage. I won't do this, but I still got my side guy or my side chick. And it's like, really? <laughs> How about we just start with the obvious? How's that working out for you? <laughs> so God good. almighty. It's true. It's true. So many people are looking for this experience or that experience. And a lot of people, I think, think that, you know, say the ayahuasca or whatever, that that's the work. No, no, that's maybe going to point you to the work, but we got to do work in physical, real reality. You can lead the horse to water, but it's got to want to take the drink, you know, and I'll say to people, so, you know, it's like Dr. Phil would always say in some of his shows and people were bowing up on him you know, and the therapy that he was offering him, you know, and he's like real liberal with it, you know, and he'd go, yeah, how's that working out for you? Where are you sitting right now? <laughs> You're how's it working out for you? <laughs> it's so funny. You know, when I look at people and it's like, there was an old Saturday Night Live skit. I think it was in the nineties. It was so funny. And it was Nora Dunn did it. And she played a psychologist and, and, and it was called take a look at yourself. And these different, you know, the different SNL crew would come on and they'd go, and the doctor would say, so how can I help you? I'm, I'm afraid of falling. I'm really afraid. I'm really afraid of fights. I mean, the husband told her, I'm really afraid of falling. <laughs> she had this same deadpan look on her face, totally no emotion. And she goes, have you looked at yourself? And the woman's like, what? She's like, have you looked at yourself? And she goes, well, I don't know what you mean, doctor. She goes, are you falling right now? You got a fear of falling? Are you falling right now? Take a look at yourself. And that's the only advice in the comedy skit she ever gave him. And they would go, no, I'm not falling right now. And she just said, so take a look at yourself. And they go, oh, my God, I'm cured. <laughs> that was her same answer for everything. Take a look at yourself. 
You know, so it's like people keep wanting, you know, the, the native peoples, the, the medicine men taught me, said, don't ever throw your power away. Don't give your power away. And I'm like, mm, say that to me in a different way. And I said, okay. Mm-hmm. He said, you're wearing a, uh, a, a yellow shirt today. So watch this. I'm going to walk up to you and say, oh, Mary, that, that yellow, man, is that your color? That lights you up. I mean, that just brings out your eyes and that is your color. You look fantastic. And he said, now feel that. Okay. And he said, now watch this. Oh, Mary, I don't, I don't think you should wear yellow. That really takes away from the beauty of your hair. And I don't know, the color kind of overwhelms you. I don't think that's one of your best colors. I, I, I don't think I'd do that. He goes, now feel that. And he said, neither one should matter. You want to wear yellow? Yellow feels right. You walk with yellow alongside you. It's not up to the outside. I'm like, got it. Got it. That's, that's great. That's great. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I have to be thinner or I have to have this or I should have longer hair. Or I should have no hair. Or I should, you know, whatever it is. And it's just like, who are you talking to? And for God's sakes, who are you answering to? And why don't you fall in love with yourself and quit spending so much money with the Botox and the fillers and the, you know, have you looked up what Botox stands for? Yeah, it's a short version of botulism. You know, go look it up. Go look at the, whatever pill you're taking or substance that you're taking, even vitamins and minerals, they have what they call side effects. You know, when I, when I was working in a health food store and I was learning all about herbs and oils and everything, these countrymen, oh, and I know you can relate, they'd come in with their overalls, you know, the famous pitchfork, you know, a picture of the real stoic people, you know, they got the pitchfork and it's the farmer couple. And this oh, it was one of the funniest days at the health food store. And this guy walks in. And uh, the wife's not saying a word. You know, she walks behind her man in the south. She's not saying a word. And he came in. Of course, I had no idea what the, word, the initials meant at the time. So I'm like the sucker for the moment. And he walked in. He said, oh, yeah. And if those of you that have not lived in the south, sometimes it's they're chewing tobacco and it's kind of gravelly. Okay. And you have to be able to live in the south to understand chewing tobacco mouth wad in the side of the mouth type of English spoken in the Appalachian. So he walks up and he goes, Oh, yeah, I'm the ED. Now, I, now the girls are starting to laugh because they know what ED stands for because they've worked at the store longer than me. And I said, "Pardon me." And he went around with something for ED. And I'm like looking at the girls, like, "What the?" You know. And so when they came over to me, and they go, "ED stands for erectile dysfunction." I'm like, "Oh, okay." So when the wife's still not, and I'm like, "Oh, okay." And I said, "So the flagpole. So you're trying to raise the flag on the flagpole. Got it? Because you got to talk south, southern to southern people." And again, the wife's not laughing. Absolutely stone faced. So we go over to the herbs and I said, okay, are you on blood pressure medication? I remember I'm in a health food store. So most health food stores will sell you anything that's, you know, naturopathic, but you have to also learn what the side effects might be if someone's on an uh, allopathic or big pharma medication. Well, you know, yeah, I'm on, I'm on BP medication. I said, well, you can't take that. I said, you can't just come in here. And there was actually an herb, Owen, you may have said, there's actually an herb that men can take called horny goat weed. No, I'm not kidding. That's actually the name. Horny goat weed is actually an herb they can take. But they were coming in wanting to take this thing that was being touted at the time. And I said, no, 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 you can't take Yohimbi. Sounds African because it is. I said, you can't take Yohimbi because it raises your blood pressure and you could like cause problems with yourself. Now, they're still just arm in arm, this older country couple. And I'm thinking, I'm in a comedy strip right now. I mean, there's this, this couple that you would never think that would go out and go have like a romantic bang in the grass and here, you know, and so, I mean, yeah, no expression on her. So finally he said, well, what can I take? I said, well, th- this is the native, you can take this, you can take this because it doesn't raise your blood pressure. So 
He said, all right. So I'm thinking, I'm in the twilight zone. So we go up to the, still aiming to please though, still aiming to please, customer service. So we get to the register. (laughs) So we get to the register and the wife who has had, she might've been 50 or 60, had absolutely stone face, no expressions, gets this big smile. And I looked at her and she goes, I got my 10% off card today and my card's filled up. So I get $5 off on his ED medication. It's a good day for me. I busted out laughing. I mean, that was, that was it. I was spent. That was it. I mean, I'd gone to the rodeo and I, I rode the, the prize bull all the way through and I said, have a nice day. <laughs> so just like to your point, you can do a rave party. You can do Molly. You can do, you know, I mean, I happen to know that cannabis is a powerful healing herb that enhances your T-cells and your telomeres and your immunity, and you don't always have to smoke it. It's wonderful if you bake it. There's those hippies that knew about the brownies. Mm -hmm. If you bake it or you put it in a cake mix because the actual butter or the coconut oil with the actual dried herb, never in a microwave, people, never, ever, ever in a microwave, you change the chemical composition. But just making yourself a little cake and or a brownie or whatever, and when it comes out of the oven, flash freeze it. And as you're coming into air quotes, flu season, you know, you can have a little piece of cake or you got, got sleeping problems, have a little piece of cake, never heat it in the microwave, let it come to room temperature. If you freeze it, the herb and the butter and the coconut oil, the cake can't go rancid. So you're making your own medicine, but you're working with the herbs, the herb seed bearing plants, the blossoms of the plants. You know, just like people run after angel trumpets, Datura. You know, I remember I had a guy ran over in North Carolina saying, oh, my God, you grow angel trumpets. And I'm like, yeah, they're pretty wise. I said, they're kind of poisonous to dogs and cats. I go, oh, that's one of the best hallucinogenics you can never have. I'm like, who knew? And he goes, can I have some seeds? I don't care. (laughs) Then I found out they're illegal to grow in Florida because they are a hallucinogenic. Has anybody ever told you that those little seed packets for 50 cents at the dollar store, when you get those spring seed packets of morning glories, yeah, those are hallucinogenics too, but people don't know. Had no idea. Because it's in the Datura family. So you don't just go chomping seeds because somebody tells you you're going to get high. You know, part of the herbal thing that this little mystic mountain witch loved, you know, I, I wanted to take the course of what were all the poisonous plants, you know, being a good prepper. <laughs> yeah, just in, of course. Just in case I needed to know, Owen, just in case I needed to know that somebody was irritating me too much. It's like, oh, so really? You want to break into my house? Here, here's a snack. Here, I mean, if you're going to be that. stuck in a bunker, you might as well be having a good time, right? Right, right. And I don't have any judgment about that. But I mean, for God's sakes, a little bit of knowledge, it is true, audience, a little bit of knowledge can be a dangerous thing. And so many people right now are so ADD that are, are you know, just so you know, driven because of all the technology, all the, all the glass black mirrors that we gaze into mm-hmm. on our laptops and our cell phones scrying and our, ca- you know, yeah, you're, yeah, you're scrying mirrors is that you're not putting, you need to go into nature and ask, you need to meditate or pray or, or walk by the river or listen to the breeze. What direction is it coming out of? It's the same in magic. When you light a candle, a ceremonial candle, and you blow it out, you extinguish the candle, there's a whole divination process of where the smoke goes. Does it go to the east? Does it go to the north? And you can tie that right in with your astrological chart and your medicine wheel. The directions all mean something. They have animal totems. They have seasons of the year. It's the great turning, the great wheel of our at-oneness, our atonement to the light and to the divine. Mm. And I'll finish with this. My little mountain mamma would say to me when I was little, I'd, I'd see something on TV that disturbed. Oh, Mamma, how could somebody like hunt that, 
I don't like watching those National Geographic shows because they start out with a little pretty babies of things, and then they also show the thing that comes and kills it. And there's a guy just filming the whole thing. I can't watch it. It bothers me. And she said, now you listen to me, young lady. There's two forces in this world, the light and the dark, the demons and the angels. And you get to have a little bit of both in life. And then one day, can't tell you what age it'll be for you, can't tell you how big of an event, but you'll know, you'll have a knowing that from that point on, you better only choose the light. Because if you don't, there's no a little bit of both, a little bit of both. They call that temptation, a little bit of both, a little bit of both. And she said, because after that, if you don't make your choice, the dark becomes an attacker in the form, in the beguilement of the bewitchment of the light. It'll look attractive. It'll sound attractive. It'll show up enticing. But then it will be there to vampirically get into your aura and your life force, and you will pay a price. There will be a cost. And so I say to people all the time, when they stay in these dysfunctional relationships or the job they hate, you know, everything has a reason and a season. Okay. But when you keep complaining and you stay in it year after year after year, and you know, you're just like stuck, you know, I say to them, okay, at what price, at what cost? You're giving up your soul at what price? At what? This is a big planet. There's lots of people you could meet. Why do you think that's the only one? Why do you think that's the only job? You know, you're the one acquiescing. I don't blame the other person. You're the one that's making the choice. So be proactive about your choice because choice equals consequences. Absolutely. And that's the magic. Absolutely. That's the magic. Well, if they would let go of that too, then they would be able to feel those emotions of reward you know, from in, internally, you know, and uh, I wish that for everybody. I really do because th there's, uh, there really too. is nothing better than that. I mean, and you know, maybe you've maybe you got to scrub around a little bit and take a side job or, you know, do this whatever to make it work, but like, it's going to yeah, be worth it emotionally, you know, instead of, Oh my God, to be happy and be out mowing grass for a while and, and, you know, mowing lawns for a while and getting cash money in your pocket. Or, you know, I mean, when I was 13, 14, I wanted to ride horses, you know, not the motorcycles, but the horses. I just went to a, to a, you know, a horse riding stable. And I said, I'll bathe all these horses for free. If I, if I can ride the horses for free. Yeah. Okay. So I, of course, got the all-natural shampoos, Dr. Bronner's and lavender on one season and peppermint for the other. And I did their little ears with lemongrass oil and all that. And they're like, the horses don't get any flies. I'm like, I know. I did my study. <laughs> I love and so I song. earned, you know, barter was okay. You know, it's like they weren't paying me at 14, you know, when you're a little bit young to be under the low, you know, Gestapo government system. But, you know, I was like, right. I didn't have to pay to ride those horses. And those horses, I mean, they would scream when I came there. They're ready for their bath. You know, I'd itch them with my nails and do their tails with coconut oil and olive oil around their feet. Now, the flies didn't bite them because I knew about peppermint and lemongrass and cedar oil, and it didn't hurt the horses. You know, I knew where not to put it so it wouldn't run in their eyes or their noses. And, I mean, they'd just sit there, and, you know, how horses will prop that one one of their hoofs up in the back when they're really relaxed and be just like, mm -hmm. come on, my bitch, bathe me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They love it. They love that. Yeah. Yeah. So you can get inventive, you know, you can get really creative, like ask yourself if you're a person that really loves dogs, maybe you'll start out volunteering at, at a vet. Maybe you'll volunteer at a humane society and yeah, maybe you're walking the dogs or cleaning the cages or whatever. But you know, if you end up being the, the, you know, the vet's assistant or they help pay for your school or you're finally getting paid at the veterinarian office after volunteering for a year, you worked your way up. You worked your way in, not this self-entitled attitude of, hi, I'm me, I'm cute. What are you going to give me because I showed up today? Yeah, nothing. Yeah, nothing. 
you brought nothing to the door and you're going to take nothing out the door because see that person over there, they're going to high school and they want to come here and they're walking the dogs and they're cleaning the cages and they don't bitch and they don't complain and they don't expect anything, but I'm going to pay for half of their schooling because they've got the right attitude. How about that? <laughs> That's right. And you never know. You never know what's going to happen when you do take that, that uh, step, you know, you know, you don't even have to have some. And yet, Owen, what are all these people currently saying? I need more magic in my life. I need more mystery. And so go out and create some, you know, so go through the door. Take of the, a risk. Of the, yeah. Yeah. Go, so go, if you love dogs, go get involved with dogs. What are you looking over here at sheep for? You love dogs. Go do something with dogs. Go work in a pet store, you know, talk to the people about their dogs. Sell. teach the people about what treats are safe. And so what if you're working at a pet co or a, one of these pet stores, you know, you're, go, you're going to be on the right psychic chessboard to meet the people that you're aligned with, you're in divine alignment with in that tribe because you can't, you don't know why yet, but you came in loving dogs. Dogs never bother you. You want more dogs. So go be around dogs. If it's too intense for you to be at a veterinarian office, go work at a pet store, go work at a tractor supply or a rural king where they let dogs come in the door, you know, and learn about the different dog vendors and all that and be there when the vets come to give the Reduced cost rabies shots and la 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 and adoption events and all that. You know, go be around dogs. If you like comedy, get your butt up. You want to be a comedian? Go to comedy shows. Go. Go support the comedians. Get to know the comedians. Be a very polite audience to the comedians. It's not about you. It's about celebrating the comedian. I hate rude people in, a, in, a, in an entertainment venue. <laughs> I know the person in the audience that's smoking their cigarette and their beer and they think they're going to outdo the comedian. And I that's sit the there best. going, <laughs> I love it when the comedian comes back and eviscerates them. Oh yeah. It's, 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 it's almost, it, it's too easy. You know, it just is. Uh, the one thing I think for folks when that happens is you can't go too hard on them. You kind of got to, right. <laughs> you Cause they paid to see you. They paid to see with you. Them, you know, and it, cause yeah, you don't want the audience to take their side, you know? Um, and I've, and I've done that before I've gone a little too extreme, but it's, it's fun. It's fun when you can, they started you can it. play with it a little bit. And then the audience is always going to take your side and then they're going to look kind of silly, but that's always a fun, a fun. Uh, I just found out the other day and I've never heard of this before. Maybe it's existed in LA or New York, but one of the servers here in Tennessee was saying, you know, there's a comedy club up in Gatlinburg that and she said, and there's a line out the door. And she said, and they insult you. Like you, I said, like a roast, like, you know, like they do those comedian roast kind of things. She goes, Oh no, they um, no, the servers and the comedians insult you. And I'm like, who would pay for that? And she goes, Oh, it's, it's, it's their biker. Everybody loves it. They go in there and it's just so funny because they'll go with these, you know, uh, wedding parties or family reunions and all that. Of course, everybody's laughing their butts off because everybody at the table is getting insulted. And they put like a hat on your head and, and, um, and I said, do they pick on like everything? Like, do they pick on people's physicality? Goes, everything. And she goes, lined out the door, booked in advance. And I'm like, yeah, not, not me. Yeah, not me. Somebody would come at me. I said, you know what I like about it? They've told you before you walk in the door what's going to happen. That's authentic. That's right. Yeah, that's like you're not funny. walking in with a surprise. But you know, Owen, you know that there's people taking their family members. And there's two people <laughs> that lined tell. that whole thing up. And they didn't tell the relatives that irritate them, you know, or they didn't tell their boyfriend or their girlfriend or their high school friends. And they're walking them in the door for them to be, <laughs> to be lit up. And like maybe three people out of 10 people at the table know what's going to go down kind of a thing. So they're laughing at the people getting roasted. You know, they are. That's hilarious. I can't though. think of a name, but it's in Gatlinburg and it's like really famous and, you know, comedy club where everybody gets insulted. Everybody's fair game. Fun. I'll definitely check that. Oh, out. you need to look that up because <laughs> I would think comedians, 
comedians that know about that that would go to be in the audience could have a good time. And I think you can retort back. I mean, I think it's that's just the whole venue. It's like I'll insult you and let's see how quick quicksilver you are on the way back. <laughs> I'm just like I, that does that goes against everything metaphysical with me though because I don't like personal attacks or judgment or sarcasm and you know sarcasm can you know it can be fun but not when it's a direct attack on somebody it's just against anything mystical that i do i'm trying to lift people out of that crap you know it's just like okay you've been locked up over on that little archetype or how you identify yourself as the poor me or the victim and that way you can suck the life out of everybody that tries to be your friend or your lover it's like nothing's going to ever be enough so that's a fault line why don't you stop being an emotional earthquake for everybody that you meet yeah, I'm that Judge Judy. I'm yeah, that I'm, one that will tell him how to. <laughs> I'm, I'm oh, I do. You. I'm with you though too. Like that's not, that's really not what I'm. You know, trying to uh, lean into as far as comedy goes. Um, you know, you can be friendly and 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 quippy with your friends and and all that kind of stuff. But uh, again, you know, I don't. I'm not. I'm. My goal is not to insult or hurt anybody or make them feel worse when they leave the show. I want them to feel uplifted, inspired you know, that's the mystic in you. That's the blue collar mystic that you are. That's a perfect name because it's like, watch this. You know, I can, I can do the, I can, I can, um, bask in my incarnational cultural heritage, but I can also uplift you with the Appalachian wisdom or the Smoky Mountains medicine or the, you know, the Blue Ridge, you know, the Blue Ridge magic can come through me. It comes through in music. It comes through in bluegrass. It comes through in dance. It comes through in, 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 in moonshine. It comes through, you know, it comes through in, in the great stuff that we can grow in this area and the indigenous cultures. I mean, it can come through in many ways. So to me, comedy is a type of, of healing medicine. That's, that's where that term comes from. Laughter is the best medicine. It really is. Because my my medicine teachers, back to the indigenous teachers, they would say to me, you know, we talked about like in voodoo or hoodoo or, you know, in these cultures, you know, in, in very remote places where the, the person, the, the medicine person or the shamanic guy or the, or the aboriginal guy, they go into a trance and they're, you know, they're doing a, the actual medicine person is actually in a trance and their eyes are rolling. I said, yeah, 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 I've seen that. The root medicine people, I said, yeah, I've seen that. And they said, okay. That's called shaking medicine. That's like they're actually going into a semi-convulsive epileptic type of thing where their frequencies are literally kind of like some of the exorcism stuff where they're literally shaking because they're in the other dimensions, yet they're still embodied in their earthly vessel. And so it's literally shaking them to the core and they're working with herbs and holy smoke and different things like that. And they're like wanting to drive um, the invading spirits out of the person. And this goes on in all, all kinds of cultures. It's why they put the prayers in the lip boats in the Ganges River in India. And he said, okay, guess what's shaking medicine of the modern world is? And I said, what? And he said, when you go out dancing and when you really laugh, hmm. your body shakes. And I'm like, oh, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, I yep. like that too. Yeah. I had never connected that before. And I connected that 20 years ago. So, you know, it, it, you know even if you're, dancing by yourself or you're grooving on the, in the mountains or you're, you know, doing a jig in the woods or whatever it is, you know, move your body. You know, that's why all these, you know, yoga and Tai Chi and martial arts and all that, you're learning about coming into a congruent, uh, walking in a concert of energies with your physical body lining up with your chi or your ki, your life force, you know? So same thing with Reiki. You're just doing it with different kind of hand symbols. And when I got my Reiki mastership, in 2005, I didn't get that for people. That's right. I didn't get it for humans. I got it so I could have even more of a developed 
telepathic touch with animals because I always had that when I was a child. Like I wasn't the kid that was scared of spiders or snakes or any of that. You know, dad's like, oh, good. She's, she's a nature girl. You know, I mean, I said, oh, don't walk in the spider web. Leave it alone. It's got babies. Leave it alone. Walk away. And the snakes didn't. I was in the eek girl, you know, and I've had black bears. I've sent Joe the pictures, you know, over, you know, 2017. I walked out the back door and a black bear was sitting there looking. I'm like, whoa, how are you? <laughs> Backed up a little bit and it kind of looked at me and I'm like, oh, okay, you're about 700 pounds. You're a baby. And so all those fires had happened in November of 2016 in Gatlinburg. And when I talked to the wildlife officer, he said, there's nothing. Those fires burned the roots of the blackberry bushes because it was like late March. And he said, they have nothing. So as the crow flies, I'm, as the crow flies, I'm close to Gatlinburg. And he said, the bears are going into Knoxville. They're going all over the place because there's nothing. And I said, oh, there's still snow on the ground here. There's nothing for them here to. And I thought, I'm going to feed it. So I talked to my cousin who's, you know, retired special forces. Like, Remind me about the thing with the bears because he's been to Alaska. He goes, don't walk backwards. And he said, walk backwards away from the bear. Don't turn your back on the bear. He goes, I know you're Ellie Mae. I know you're going to feed it. I know you're going to help it. I grew up with you. I know you're going to see, but it's a sign from spirit. He goes, do not turn your back on the bear. They'll back into the house after you put the food out there on the concrete wall. So I just treated it like a hound dog. So I took a couple of metal pans and I'm like, now get up on that hill right now. Bang, 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 bang. Get behind that tree until I get your food ready. And I made what I called bear lasagna. So there was the whole bottom of a pan of sunflower seeds and then some bread with peanut butter. And I had cooked up some pasta. I made all these layer of things. And it was just sticking its head through this fork in the tree looking at me. And I'm like, now you wait, you wait. So I went up and I put it on the spirit was definitely with me. And I put it up on the wall because we know a dog and a bear's ability to smell. And I said, I know you're hungry. Just wait. I put a whole jar of jelly on top of it. So it was like bear lasagna with icing. And I put the pan up there, this old metal pan. I'm like, all right. I'm, I walked backwards like my military cousin told me to because the bear was like putting its nose up in there. And I'm like, now go eat it. Go on. It laid on that wall, Owen, and hung that little bear's eye down. And all you heard was crunch, 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 crunch. And I'm like, by the glory of the almighty, my Reiki training that I did, all that Reiki level mastership. And here it is, the bear and I are telepathically in tune. It was awesome. It was awesome. And every night he came at 845, <laughs> he came down the woods. You know how a cat will run up a tree when it's excited, when a storm's coming and claw the tree and run up and do the goofy zoomy run. Mm -hmm. He would do that. He'd run up the tree and claw it. And I'm like, look at you. And then it would come over and I'm like, just sit there till I get your food. And I would put it on the wall and I'd go in and just look from the back door. And he never broke into anything. He never damaged anything. And the wildlife officer was right. He said by May, he said by late April, May, a, a male bear will range anywhere from five to 10 miles to go find its mate. And he said, and they'll move on because everything will be growing. And this isn't where I'm at. It's not crowded. It's very rural, which is why the Zoom and the video and anything will drop here. The cell phone will drop here, which I love because I'm on a lake and the mountains and it's just like, yeah, bye city. You know, so I get to be the mystic in the woods, truly. You know, it's like you get audio. That's what you get. It's a little old fashioned, but you know what? I'm good with it. But see, there's woods all around me. And I mean, there's deer that walk out on the driveway and I just pet their little velvet antlers. And I've got eight, the, the native peoples call them the peace eagle, but they're wild turkeys. So of course my military cousin goes, good. If things go sideways, Mary, I know that there's going to be hunting around you and I'm like no those turkeys are my friends and they trust me and he goes I'm just saying Mary if things go really sideways 
And I say, well, so I don't have bird feeders, Owen. I go and I actually put the seeds into the woods in their habitat. I don't hang up the fancy feeders. I don't do anything that draws attention to them. I don't want them to come out on my driveway. I just go into the woods so they're safe and they're hidden, and I feed them that way. That's awesome. So I'm respecting, I'm going into their realm to feed them so they're safe from, yeah, I said it, humans again. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. Well, I, I thank you so much. Thank you for so much for sharing. God, I thank feel like you, we can talk for a long, 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 long time. And we will anytime you want to. And if you ever want to do it to where you can have people and call you or do chat like you and I did with Joe and you want, you know, it really helps people, Owen, when I can like pick a card for them or they just, I, and I tell people all the time, if you call a show, use a fake name so you can just relax on the phone call. Just use a fake name. Don't use your real name. And just, you can either get a card or you can get a question. So every little pearl of wisdom, every little tiny light, we just might save somebody from some type of a careening down a mountain of sadness or a downfall of their spirit, because that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. I love that. I really, and I would love to do something like that where we do have we'll do it. call in. We'll do it. Awesome. Fantastic. I love it. Well, come um, to the mountains, Owen. Come to the mountains and get get Joe out of Florida and tell him to come <laughs> here and we'll show him what mountain meditation is all about. <laughs> I love we're we're gonna do that too. I'm so excited. I got a new friend and I really appreciate you. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's uh, I'm sure I'm sure we would I'm sure we will travel before Owen. This this isn't our first meeting soul to soul. <laughs> can't be there's no way <laughs> but yeah but i i'll make sure that all the links are in the show notes for everybody thank uh, you marydusina.com and it's cosmic conditions every new moon on fringe fm be sure to tune in you can call in and we'll do something uh unique and special here with, and i really just can't thank you enough thank you so much for your time back at you my dear back at you my brother all right. Awesome. Well, thanks everybody. Be sure to check out those links down below and we will see you guys next time. Happy Halloween. Oh.